101. Shannon Kyle with you for another 55 minutes or so. Every Tuesday at this time, we are joined by Jordan Foote, Deputy Editor at Arrowhead Report. Also, co-host One Royal Way when the Royals are in season. Jordan, welcome back to the show. How are ye? I'm good, buddy. It's uh, a bit of a weird time. I always forgot how kind of awkward this period from post-Super Bowl to the new league year and free agency is. Now, luckily, the Chiefs do a pretty good job keeping us busy and held over until the uh, NBA All-Star break, spring training, all that good stuff happens. But definitely excited for what's going to be a pretty wild month of March, I have a feeling. Yeah, we've been uh, spoiled slash lucky that the Chiefs haven't forced you and I to have some awkward, forced, uh, (laughs) made-up conversation about the Chiefs because everything has kind of fallen in line as far as the timeline. And today uh, is a big day uh, for reasons we'll talk about in a second. But I do want to cover the free agents that are due some – thought decisions and some of them tougher than others when it comes to what are the chiefs do uh, of course the two elephants in the room we can start with them jordan if you don't mind legerius sneed and chris jones those are the two guys that are maybe causing the most hand wringing and forgive me if i have totally jumped the gun or assumed this that if there's anybody that the Chiefs are going to franchise tag, it would be Chris Jones, but not necessarily. They could franchise Legereus Sneed and then work backwards from there, I suppose. Most of the chatter that I've heard uh, has been centered around Chris Jones. If they use franchise tag on him again, it would cost him a little over $32 million. They'd also have to account for a four-and-a-quarter million option bonus they just picked up. Uh, so that makes him extremely... Uh, extremely expensive. But you point out uh, at Arrowhead Report that uh, Legereus Sneed is a guy you need to consider as well. I guess I'll just start with a little bit of a generic question when it comes to those two guys. What would you like the Chiefs to do with those two guys? I think, Shane, what makes the most sense here is to, if they can, avoid tagging Chris Jones because then if they don't get a deal done, you're on the hook for $32 million. He's kind of holding your salary cap situation hostage, kind of like he did last offseason a little bit when they were thinking they were going to get a deal done with him that ultimately happened week two of the NFL season. $32 million's a lot, man, and I can't count all the teams in the NFL that, of course, have $32 million but actually want to spend that on a – 30-year-old defensive tackle who, you know, he wasn't all pro this past season. He was really good, but still not the 2022-23 version of Chris Jones. So I think what makes sense there, don't franchise tag Jones. You work out a deal. You don't work out a deal. Um, That legal tampering period for opposing teams is March 11th through March 13th. And then, of course, the new league year begins at um, 3 p.m. Arrowhead time on the 13th. So, the Chiefs, uh, from their perspective, would be wise to give him a bottom-line offer very soon if they haven't already and say, hey, here's the same deal that we gave you last year, the two years, 54 and two quarters or whatever it was. Take that or we're going to move in a different direction. The Chiefs can't really afford to 
wait and see with Chris Jones. And I think on his end, whether it's the bright idea or not, um, you might want to hit the open market and see what you're worth because sites like PFS and Track and Over the Cap and all of these cap websites, they are projecting a pretty darn good haul for Chris Jones where he's going to get that $30 million per year still. He's going to get a bunch of guarantees. Um, he obviously at the, the championship parade did speak about wanting to come back and just kind of declaring that he was. But Yeah, l- let I me stop you right that. there because I was dying to get there. You think he overplayed yeah. his hand or is he just kind of talking out of his you-know-what because he had a few cocktails? What, what are we I talking about here? Yeah, I think it's the latter, and people, of course, are going to hold that against him when and if he leaves. But um, he loves the Chiefs, and the Chiefs love Chris Jones, and that's just how it is. But at the end of the day, his representation has made it very clear that the bottom line is more important. He, by association, has made it perfectly clear that the bottom line is more important, and he wants his numbers. He wants to hit, you know, this Aaron Donald ballpark, and I just don't think the Chiefs are going to be willing to play ball with that. So from my perspective, I would let Chris Jones go if he doesn't agree to uh, my demands, and I would keep working with Legereus Seed, and I think really the tag makes a lot of sense for him because it's going to come in at just under $18.8 million, which for all intents and purposes, probably the high end of what he's going to command on the open market. The only downside is that cap hits coming all at once. In a, a long-term um, extension slash re-signing scenario, you can kind of maneuver those cap hits. So you have a, a little bit of gymnastics still to do, um, but it also gives them more time to work out a deal, keeps them off the free agent market. Um, they'd have until, I believe it's July 15th, to get something done to avoid that cap hit um, coming through. So I think you, you work it out with Jones or you don't work it out with Jones and you keep Snead around as long as you can, which, you know, that's not exactly how the Chiefs have operated. They've been very cost controlled at the cornerback position, but they also haven't been in a spot quite as uh, applicable as they are with Legereus Snead. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Now, before we get to the other free agents, uh, Dan Graziano on ESPN.com floated out the idea that potential cuts for cap savings include MVS, Justin Reed, and Charles Amenahue. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, uh, in the latter's case, that's the cold, hard uh, business of the NFL in cutting him coming off of an injury. But even those who are screaming for uh, the Chiefs to let MVS walk that further um, provides the, a further gap in pass-catching needs what regardless what you think out of him and i think the last couple of years they've drafted a safety so if they do cut those guys there's another nearly 30 million dollars in cap space uh where are you at on the possibility of cutting these three guys to free up a lot more money yeah i think the the easy solution for the chiefs and i hate calling it a solution i guess a a partial solution for it an avenue um, would be cutting MVS, and that saves nearly $12 million, um, with cutting him. And, listen, he did show up in the playoffs. He is a good locker room guy. The team does seem to like him. But at a certain point when you're chasing Super Bowls and you're trying to three-peat, you can't afford to severely overpay for players like that. So I think you cut MVS, you keep Justin Reed, despite the – I believe it's almost $11 million that you can save uh, by parting ways with him. Uh, early in the season, I was a little iffy. He started off slow again. Um, he, he isn't the best in man coverage, but the versatility he provides, the leadership, the 
uh, just the different things he can do, the mindset he brings, the brain power he brings. You keep him. Um, you can really uh, – Omenihu's the tough one because they can save just over $7 million by cutting him. The dead cap is just under four. So you're getting some decent savings there. I think you just hang on to him. Maybe you work on an extension rather than – a cut, which is, you know, kind of a, a risky move for a player who's working his way back from an ACL. Um, but they signed him. He's only 26 years old. It was a two-year deal. I think they keep him. It sends a not great message to possible free agents if you do end up parting ways with him. Um, they do have a couple of other ways to generate cap space. One of them is dipping into the Patrick Mahomes contract, and I went on mm-hmm. over the cap right before I jumped on here. Um, their max restructure availability is almost $36 million. So if they really want some money, um, they obviously won't fully restructure that. I'd be extremely surprised. Um, but they can with the new deal that they, they structured him to. Instead of having to decide right now, right before free agency, they can wait until May. I believe it's May 4th or May 5th where they can decide, okay, our draft class is in, the second wave of free agency is here, do we want to get $20 million? Do we want 15 Stuff like that. And then Jawan Taylor, they can restructure him and get 10 to $12 million, um, by converting his base salary to a signing bonus, and then you can spread that out over the course of the deal. So I know the Chiefs estimated around 15 16 some sites a little more, some sites a little less, but I wouldn't really be all that worried about uh, where the Chiefs are from a salary cap standpoint. They're, they're doing okay. Is Mahomes going to restructure his contract every year into perpetuity until he dies? I mean, he, he's the one willing to do it, but he's also the one with, that basically has a lifetime contract. Are we going to see this every year in order to try to free up some dough here and there? Yeah, something like that. And I know it was either last year or the year before where people fully expected it to happen and they didn't pull that lever and, and folks were upset. Now, it, it just gives them the – affordability to do it and the availability to do it. And that's important, right? It's not the quite Tom Brady extreme where he's taking that big of a pay cut, but relative to the market, you can still give him more. Um, The contract is long-term. They're going to keep revisiting it. So it's kind of the gift that keeps on giving. And yes, he's getting paid a lot. Yes, those are big cap hits. Yes, the Chiefs are kind of doing what not many, if any, teams have been able to do with a quarterback dominating the a salary cap sheet like that, but the flip side of that is the Chiefs, if they have the money on hand and in escrow and Clark Hunt's willing to pay for it, they can convert that stuff to a signing bonus. They can get the money, spread it out over the next handful of years, and with that stretch provision, you can spread it out for like five years, and it can be um, a lot more palatable. So I would answer maybe not every single year, but simply having the chance to makes a ton of sense for, I think, both sides. This is a weird one because he's the most polarizing guy on the team. But uh, if the Chiefs cut Kadarius Tony, they'd have to pay him his $2.5 million salary for 2024, and it would count against the cap. So mm-hmm. what are they going to do with him? Yeah, so if they cut him post-June 1st, it's essentially a wash, I believe. Um, but they're going to – I think it's just going to be a straight-up cut. Um, they're not going to wait around on it. I just don't anticipate him – netting anything crazy via trade um, he doesn't have that much value in, in my eyes and I'm not a league executive but after flaming out in New York being the former first round pick now what three years removed from that 
um, entering the final year of his rookie contract. Maybe there's a team that wants to flip a conditional, uh, let's say, sixth or seventh round pick. But if they know and expect the Chiefs to move on from him anyway, um, then you would just wait. And then you outbid a team over the vet minimum. You give them $2 million bucks with incentives or something like that. So I don't anticipate he'll be back as a Chief next year. I know that it's not the most appropriate move, I guess, if you would have said at the beginning of the season that in February or March he wouldn't really be a Chief anymore. But at a certain point he provided negative value throughout the year, and then you add on the injury situation and all that stuff. It's just uh, – not a relationship that's working out too much anymore. Who's the uh, most worthy of an extension of those that are candidates? Uh, man, um, Nick Bolton gets brought up uh, immediately, I suppose. Uh, and I believe it was Nate Taylor's article on The Athletic. That was like his number five priority um, is locking up Nick Bolton to an extension. Now, the the question is, do we want to get into semantics of – re-sign versus extend, right? Because technically, Legereus Steve can get extended, but I guess if we're really getting technical, it's re-signed because he's hitting the open market and isn't under contract anymore. So I guess mm-hmm. you'd have to look at 2021 draft picks versus um, upcoming free agents. I think really wide scope, greater lens, Legereus Steve long-term makes a ton of sense. And I know the Chiefs haven't spent a ton, at the cornerback position, they had the low-cost guys like Bashad Breland. They've invested in day three draft capital. Um, Trent McDuffie is on a rookie-scale contract, but he's so good that if you are losing Chris Jones, and I think Chris Jones is worth even extension, just not at that price. Um, if you're losing him, it makes a ton of sense to keep Legereus Speed in the fold, maintain that secondary, because Steve Spagnuolo has shown, Shane, that in the past, he can blitz out of necessity, and he can blitz to create more pressure. I think it's easier to do that than to make up a secondary that doesn't exist, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about, in uh, no particular order, a Willie Gay, Derek Nottie, um, Mike Edwards, I guess, maybe, Mike Dana? Which of those uh, potential free agents do you think is an under-the-radar, Chiefs need to lock this guy up. Is there one of that group? Sure, and uh, there is one guy that that we can discuss after that that I completely forgot but is on my list. Um, I I broke up all the unrestricted guys. The Chiefs have a couple of exclusive rights, free agents, which are basically one-year minimums and then a few restricted ones, but they're all kind of of end-of-roster or depth pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, The unrestricted guys, Tier 1, Sneed and Jones, pretty self-explanatory. Um, Tier 2, I view as like competitive secondary market, quality depth, guys that could start, but ideally they are your your top guys off the bench and or a special teamer. I put Tommy Townsend in that tier as well. Um, Donovan Smith is up there. Nick Allegretti is up there. Mike Dana is up there. Mike Edwards, Drew Tranquil, which is the guy I wanted to talk about. And then Willie Gay Jr., Um, your four were – Dana Edwards Gay and who was the other one? Um, did I say Derek Naughty? Yeah, Derek Naughty. Um, Naughty's yeah. in tier three for me, so I, okay. I think just he struggled a little bit this year. He was up and down. I think they do need because of the lack of interior defensive linemen. They need somebody to do that. But I mean, I'd put Mike Pinnell in that tier too, just because of how he showed up down the stretch. But I think Dana is 
he's pretty important, but the problem is he might command a little bit more than the other guys. I view Mike Edwards as like a one-year, $5 million type, maybe a slight raise over this year. Track has Willie Gay Jr. projected around $7 million per year. Um, Dana, they projected him at 16.7, which I think is a formula error. I don't think anyone in their right mind would, would give <laughs> Mike Dana that much, but he can still get 6 to 10. Like I think he can max out around double-digit um, average annual value. So he's going to be important, don't get me wrong. I would argue... It might be Mike Edwards, but then with Nazi Johnson coming back, you have a little bit of overlap, a little bit um, of versatility. So the two guys that weren't included that I'm going to cheat, Donovan Smith is a sneaky, maybe they bring him back on a one-year deal just to be a competitive body with Wanya Morris. I don't think that would be a bad move. And then Drew Tranquil has to be at the top of the uh, tier two list, in my opinion, for a re-signing. Uh, this is a circle back and kind of an out of left field question, but I'm curious your thoughts on this or if you know the answer. Because um, we talk about LeJerry Sneed quite a bit. Who grades out better? Like, who's a better player? LeJerry Sneed or Charvarius Ward? Because they were kind of at, they're at that crossroad of Sneed's career, like they were at Ward's, and they let Ward walk. So who's better? Mm-hmm. That, that's a good one, and I almost wrote, so I had a draft. I, I published on Arrowhead Report about an hour ago, or I guess 40 minutes maybe, um, about the tag window opening, and I noted in there that the Chiefs had been in a position with Charvarius Ward where he played his best ball and they let him leave, and he signed that three-year, $40.5 million, $42 million deal, whatever it was, with uh, San Francisco. I think Legereus need just with the matchup difficulty he had the completeness of his game. He's a tremendous athlete for the position for the most part. So I think Snead is better. I don't think Ward was a slouch by any means. He was a really solid player in his final year. But I think Snead is like that true star-level player. Now, he didn't get an All-Pro. He didn't get a Pro Bowl. But I would argue that uh, Snead is a, a tier above what Charverius Ward was when he left Kansas City. So I saw this morning that uh, Jeff Darlington from ESPN suggested that uh, a trade for Mike Evans would be a game changer. And he, I don't know if predicted, but he thought that Baker Mayfield's going to resign there. And if they can't get come to terms with Mike Evans, he should be Kansas City's top priority. I know we're, we're playing kind of fantasy GM here by making trades, and you have to consider – cap hits and whatnot, and we don't always do that because uh, we, we want what we want when we want it. Does that make sense to you, a guy like him? Does that make sense to you if uh, the Chiefs can acquire him however they can do it? Yeah, I, I don't know if it's by all means necessary, but my, my colleague at Arrowhead Report, Connor Christofferson, posted a, uh, a poll on Twitter, I guess X, we have to call it now, yesterday, about how much would you spend for Mike Edwards? Would it be upwards of 20 million would it be 16 to 18 would it be less than that and like i voted you can't give mike edwards or mike evans sorry 20 million per year that just seems like a lot for a guy who's going to be 31 who he's fantastic like i need to preface with i absolutely love mike evans i think he's a fantastic player but the chiefs kind of showed when they traded tyree kill they didn't want to dip back into the absolute uh, top dollar borderline or even 20 million for a wide receiver. Now there was a thing that came out right after that. AJ Brown said the chiefs tried to trade for him. So like there's an alternate world 
where the Chiefs do show up big money for wideout. And I know that Brandon Ayuk has been brought up a lot. He would command a lot of money if they traded for slash extended him. Um, I love Mike Evans. I think he would help the Chiefs a ton. I think like a three-year, $54 million contract, which is 18 a year, would make a ton of sense for the Chiefs. But I think it's going to take one team, and it always does, to mess that up. And it just seems like the the PFF estimates 323 right now, which would be a $69 million total. That's too much for me. No. Um, they had a soft deadline, it, it seemed, on Monday to work something out where they wouldn't end up franchise tagging him. I wouldn't totally believe that yet. I don't think a trade makes a ton of sense, and I am not sure that uh, reaching that 100th percentile with him is applicable. However, if the money was around 18 per year, that would be a pretty solid signing, I think. What about the opportunity to play with Patrick Mahomes? There's always that factor when it comes to aging players, no matter what their position. Does that come into come into play here? I think so. Um, again, it depends on the contract, though. If you're between an $18 million per year offer to play for the Chiefs and 22-23 to play somewhere else, then I that is a sizable difference. Now, if it's $1 million per year or it's one less year on the contract, then maybe Kansas City is the place to be, but... Um, I think really the uh, opportunity to play with Mahomes probably falls into play around tier two or tier three, where there's guys like Darnell Mooney, Odell is going to be a free agent again. I know that he obviously didn't make the impact people expected um, last season. The Kendrick Bournes of the world, Josh Reynolds from the Lions, the not number one wide receivers makes a difference. Um, It's not going to be a Randy Moss situation, I don't think. I'll leave it at that. All right, so uh, you threw out some potential um, free agents, some sexy, some not. Uh, if you had to hit your wagon to one guy, uh, who, are the, who are the Chiefs going to sign this offseason? I won't hold your feet to the fire too bad because it's only February, but uh, mm-hmm. it is, this is fluid. Who, who are you feeling right now? So I'm feeling a couple different players, and early on in the process it was Curtis Samuel, and I don't know why I couldn't just get off of him. Um, but I think I'm going to hitch the wagon to one of two guys right now. Um, Josh Reynolds is one that really jumps out to me. Um, It's just tough because they could go after a really big-name guy um, that has a bunch of opportunities for them. He could play a few different positions. He could be the the bona fide number one receiver. Hollywood Brown's been bought up. I'm kind of cool on Hollywood Brown. He's at the very, very top uh, of some people's lists. I'm going to go Josh Reynolds as the number one. That just seems to make a lot of natural sense. Um, And I'm trying to stall as I get my rankings pulled back up. Well, let me ask you this, since you need a couple seconds. Oh, there it is. It's Kendrick Bourne, um, who's coming off an ACL. Uh, Is uh, T. Higgins and Michael Pittman a pipe dream? If they aren't yeah. uh, extended, resigned, whatnot? I think Pittman is going to end up back there. I do think it. And there have been conflicting reports, it seems, on Higgins. Um, I would consider both of them pipe dreams. Mike Evans, really the pipe dream that at least is a little bit more realistic. And then Hollywood Brown, Calvin Ridley, that tier being uh, the more realistic, okay, this guy can be a top guy in our offense, but maybe not necessarily in every offense. All right, so uh, what haven't we covered that you're just dying to talk about? Have I exhausted uh, uh, all the bullets in the chamber? 
Quite a bit, I think, man. It's uh, they have a bunch of tier three free agents that that I had listed. It's probably too early to dive too far into the draft talk, and the wide receiver class kind of speaks for itself. But um, the Chiefs have sneakily a couple wide receivers hitting free agency. It's Hardman and Richie James. I think that um, if you would have asked me uh, about a month ago, I would have said no, and now I changed my mind a little bit. Bringing back McCole Hardman as wide receiver five or six honestly doesn't. It makes a ton of sense, I think, as a guy that can be a return specialist that can do the gadget stuff that they wanted Kadarius Tony to do. Um, you can consolidate a little bit by keeping him, but then you're locking in kind of Sky Moore, Justin Watson, McCole Hardman as your your final three receivers. Um, then the running back position, they have Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Jarek McKinnon both set to hit the free agent market. Don't know what they're going to do behind Isaiah Pacheco, but I think they can benefit from bringing in a receiving back and also someone who could spell Pacheco because of just how hard he runs. And then defensive tackle. We kind of hammered home that point earlier, but Nadi's a free agent. Pinnell's a free agent. Um, Tershawn Wharton's a free agent. So they've got a lot of potential replacements that need to come in, and that's without even mentioning Chris Jones, who we talked about to lead off. So the Chiefs don't have too many pressing positions. I'd say wide out um, defensive tackle, um, and then left tackle would be those top three. But, you know, there, there's some things around the margins where they could make some signings. You go back to last year, Drew Tranquil, Mike Edwards, Charles Amenahu, maybe not to that caliber, but one step below that you never know. They could uh, play a little bit of a role come playoff time. Yeah, and that very first part of your your latest rant there struck me a little bit when you talked about Nicole Hardman. As much as we wanted to use the – puke emoji for all those wide receivers in the wide receiver room you can't cut them all uh yeah. and if they cut mvs and Kadarius tony who are most likely cut candidates you do have to keep somebody because mm-hmm. we know how uh, much rookie wide receivers struggle to get quote unquote get andy reed's offense the very first year so you got to keep somebody and i suppose if there's one of the group that you keep hardman's probably at the top of the list so i'm with you there uh as much as like i said when we play fantasy gm we want to cut everybody and make make trades and and do all those fun things uh and short of drafting somebody in the first round so yeah i'm kind of i'm kind of with you there what what uh before we let you go the pick that the chiefs have at the very end of the first round goes on goes to what position i know i've asked you this before but as we get closer to it you could change your mind and i'll uh you can reserve the right to do that so what position do the chiefs go with first round and do they move up at all I'm going to say they don't move up um, just because of how stacked the wide receiver class is right now. I almost think they might move back out of the first round, especially with the draft not being um, in Kansas City with that said. <laughs> right, yeah. Could totally entertain the thought of them moving up if a guy they like, maybe a Keon Coleman or Brian Thomas Jr., one of those guys is available. Um, they don't want to wait for Troy Franklin. He goes a little bit earlier. They want to move up for him. Um, A.D. Mitchell from Texas. There, there are so many good receivers in this year's class. I, I could see them going top 50 with one of those guys. So regardless of whether it's in round one or not, um, that first pick the Chiefs make in the draft, even if it's a small trade back to 42 or something like that, I think it's going to go wide receiver. I know that replacing Chris Jones could be important, <laughs> would be important if he leaves, and left tackle is going to be a key, but I just can't shake wide receiver. I think it's going to be that. 
Jordan Foote, Deputy Editor at Arrowhead Report. Follow that uh, handle on X slash Twitter, at Footnoted. Also, he joins us every Tuesday. Great stuff, a wealth of knowledge, a lot of Chiefs talk. I promise we'll get to Royals, but uh, Chiefs keep uh, keep staying relevant when they're winning Super Bowls, so you got to do what you got to do, right? Absolutely, Shane. Thanks a lot. You got it. Jordan Foote, we'll talk to him again uh, next Tuesday. He joins us every Tuesday at 1 o'clock. We need to remind you that ESPN Bet is now live in Kansas. As the official sports book of ESPN, ESPN Bet is the only place to find daily exclusives and offers with your favorite ESPN personalities and shows. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Find all your favorite markets and bets like in-game wagering, cross-sport parlays, teasers, and all the props you can handle. That's ESPN Bet. Download today. What a play. Coming up next... Two significant athletes got their numbers retired recently. Who are they? I'll tell you when we come back. It's 129. Also born on this day, no longer with us, Jay Giles. That guy. This guy. Centerfold. R.I.P. Board on the stage, Jay Giles. Uh, it's one thirty-four. A quick segment here before we tell you a little something about National Margarita Day at Twin Peaks. There were a couple of, uh, I would say, qualify as polar opposite athletes had their jerseys retired over the over the weekend. First of all, Baylor retired Brittany Griner's number forty-two uh, Sunday. In Baylor's game against Texas Tech, she returned to Baylor for the ceremony at uh, Foster Pavilion 12 years after leading Baylor to a 40-0 season, a wire-to-wire run to the national championship. Uh, Of course, Griner uh, met with much more fame, not exactly the good kind, uh, within recent history, but back in 2012 when they won the national championship, Griner led Baylor to a 40-0 and season. And her number 42 is going to be hanging in the rafters forever. She was uh, emotional in her return, uh, tears in her eyes, all that stuff. She wore a uh, Baylor letter jacket. She told ESPN during the game, quote, just full of emotion. As soon as it started to go up, that's when I started to break. It just all came together at the right time, end of quote. Her statement said, I'm honored to return home to Baylor and celebrate where so much of my journey started. I'm grateful to Coach Nikki and the entire Baylor community and looking forward to the opportunity to be back on campus, spend time with the team, and have my family beside me to share this incredible moment. Sikkim Bears, end of statement. Uh, they beat Notre Dame 80-61 to to cap that 40-0 and season. 23 points, nine and a half rebounds, five blocks, National Player of the Year, Final Four, MOP uh, that season as a junior. National Player of the Year, again, the following season, first overall selected by the Phoenix Mercury. And then she returned to the Mercury in 2023 after she was imprisoned in Russia for nearly 300 days uh, per the U.S. government, which negotiated a prisoner swap to bring her home. Griner was, quote, wrongfully detained, unquote, as a political prisoner under Vladimir Putin's regime. So 
Uh, quite a last couple of years that was culminated in Sunday's uh, ceremony to retire Brittany Griner's jersey uh, in Waco. Uh, a guy that's more long in the tooth than Brittany Griner, Yarmir Yager. His return with Pittsburgh ended with his number 68 being retired for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, Yarmir Yager, one of the all-time greats in NHL history. He said, quote, the 11 years I was here was amazing, probably the best years of my life, so thank you for that, end of quote. He was originally from the Czech Republic, where he still plays for the team that he owns, even though he's in his mid-50s, Yarmir Yager and his 68 was retired same weekend that Brittany Griner's 42. So two of the all-time greats in their respective sports get their jerseys retired. Um, Yarmir Yager's 68 and Brittany Griner's 42. Uh, It's 137 coming up here in just a little bit. Play a little I'm old Kyle's young. That's coming your way on the other side of the break. Uh, But first, we need to let you know that Thursday, I believe it's Thursday. Yeah, Thursday the 22nd. So the day after tomorrow, it's National Margarita Day. And you could celebrate National Margarita Day with the best marg lineup in the game. At Twin Peaks, East, 21st and Rock, West, Ridge and Taft, they would like to know what's your go-to style. House, Peaks, Watermelon, Pool Party, or On the Rocks? Well, you can score any of them. For a a special price all day long on February 22nd, that's National Margarita Day, at your favorite Twin Peaks. And nobody does happy hour like they do. Whatever your preference, whether it's margaritas or tequila cocktails, an extensive bourbon category, or top shelf spirits, cocktails served over ice balls. You know you've arrived when you have a cocktail served, served over an ice ball. Local craft beers and handcrafted whiskey cocktails round out an adventurous drink menu, second to none. Don't forget about their 29-degree man-sized drafts. Happy hour, cranking up in about an hour and a half. That's your favorite Twin Peaks, east or west. 139, when we return, I'm old Kyle's young. Next. One forty-three. I'm old. Kyle's young. Pat is here. Pulse is coming up. About nineteen minutes from now. I think Kyle felt bad for you. I was just getting ready to say the exact same thing. This is circa nineteen eighty-two. I'm gonna guess. Frontman, this guy named Colin Hay. He had these weird eyes. He was almost like a chameleon looking. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of cross-eyed, but kind of (laughs) not. All right, before I guess, before I nail this, Kyle, explain yourself. Why why these guys? Huh? Uh, Well, uh, after, you know, watching the Big 12 last night, and, you know, I'm a Kansas guy. I graduated from there. I think of this song whenever I I watch Johnny Furphy play basketball. Okay. All right. Good explanation. 
Man at Work. Nailed it. I think off their business as usual. Nailed it. Record. Okay. It was, was it released. 1982? Yes. Did I mail uh, that too? 1982 in the United States, uh, June of 81 in Australia as a single. I don't know that it ever got to number one. It was number two, I'm pretty sure. Right up there with Billy Jean. And uh, trying to think of the other top five hits in 1982. But anyway, that was awfully nice of you, Kyle. Thanks. And, you know, it could be also the fact that I said he was banned from the show after him not knowing or not watching the League of Their Their Own. own. Yeah, I know. I know. It's It's a shame. Brutal. Brutal. Marla Hooch. (laughs) What a hitter. So Tom Hanks, Gina Davis, John Lovitz. Who else is in that thing? Oh, Oh, Madonna. (laughs) Yeah. Kind of forgot that one. Yeah, Madonna and Rosie Rosie O'Donnell. O'Donnell. Yeah. Pretty good cast. Uh, Gary Marshall, mm-hmm. uh, the guy that's most famously a producer of great TV shows. He mm-hmm. was in it. Mm-hmm. Was it Bill Paxton in it? Was he Gina Davis's husband? What was his name? I think you're right. That, 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 he made a ca- cameo at yeah, the very end. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Avoid the clap, Jimmy Dugan. <laughs> it's good advice. It's good advice. Well, I could certainly use the money. <laughs> could you be if I paid you a little bit more? Could you could you be more disgusting? You're gonna lose. Oh, still well. <laughs> still well. Still well. He didn't exactly get any better looking when he grew up and <laughs> went to the museum. Bless his heart. All right, uh, it's uh, February twentieth. <laughs> oh man. Speaking of Pat, friends, coaches shows tonight at six o'clock after hours. Check that out. Only a couple more left. That's right. Running out of time. Road to Hartman. Next week is postseason. Born day today. 41 years ago, the great Justin Verlander was born. I remember him as a uh, Detroit Tiger rather than a Houston Astro. But, uh, yeah, uh, one of the best pitchers of all time. You know he went to college? Oh, I'm going to kick myself. I should know this. Mm, uh, uh, it's it's pretty obscure. I mean, yeah, you ought to know it if you know anything about Verlander, mm. but it's not exactly a powerhouse. Not at all. Matter of fact. I don't. Hit me. Old Old Dominion. Old Dominion. Mm. I don't think I knew that. ODU. Yep. That, that is where uh, Vinny Pasquantino hails is from as well. Really? Yeah. 11th round pick, Vinny Pasquantino. Bill Pullman. That's the guy. Thank you, Texter. Bill Pullman, not oh, Bill Oh, you Paxton. said Paxton? Yeah. Mm. Wrong dude. Oh, that's right. Paxton is, is the Twister. And uh, Titanic. Yeah. Stefan Marbury, 47. Uh, he, was a, he was a guard. I remember him with the Knicks. Wolves, Knicks, three you, other teams. Did you ever buy a pair of his shoes? No. Refresh my memory. What was so special about them? Just the fact that they were Marberries. Well, I think they were they were reasonable, like reasonably priced. Unlike the ball shoes. 
Yes, on like the ball. Yeah. The big baller shoes big or whatever. Ball, yeah. Yeah. They were recently priced, if I recall correctly. I never owned a pair. I just know that there were some people that did. You get any of the Shaq shoes? No. I did own a, a real pair question. of Kevin Garnett's. That was cool. Here's a real question. You ever have a pair of Jordans of any kind? Yes. Which kind? What no, they, I don't. I don't. Like? Re- I, there's so many. I, well, I, I have no idea. But I, I did own a pair of Jays. Okay. And then that was, it didn't last very long. I bought the red, black, and white ones. Oh, nice. I have a buddy of mine who's a big Jordans guy, and he always kind of hints. He's like, yeah, whenever you get married, you're going to get a custom-made pair of Jays. I'm like, do not buy me a custom-made pair of Jordans. Don't do it. Please don't. Hmm. It's a lot of money. Well, that's the only reason. It's a lo- yes. Yeah, don't blow your money on. Don't blow your money yeah. on a pair of hey, shoes. Hey, there's plenty of guy. Well, there's at least one guy I know. But there are plenty of guys and gals out there who got a whole closet full of Jordans. Of course. And I'm not hating on that. I'm just saying that's everyone's got their thing, collections. That just was never my thing. Me neither. You can buy a pair of Trumps now. I heard. I also had a pair of weapons. Really? The no. magic shoes? Yeah. I had magic shoes. I know what you're talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah. I had some weapons. Texter said they had the David Robinson pumps. Did you ever have the pump? I never did. I don't recall knowing about David Robinson's pumps. I didn't know that. but about You know about either. D. Brown's pumps? Yeah. The Reeboks yep. helped him win a dunk championship. Mm-hmm. I didn't have those either, though. Uh, Levon Hernandez, 49. Mm, I'm going to go baseball. That was just a guess. I thought you'd know this. Yeah, he's a pitcher. <laughs> Yeah, Cuban defector, won a bunch of games for the Marlins. Really crafty right-handed pitcher. Yeah. You know who his brother was? Was his last name Hernandez? Yeah. I think it was his brother. <laughs> I do not. If, if not his cousin. El Duque. The guy for the Yankees? Ah, Orlando Hernandez? I know him. Yeah, they're related. Can't remember if they're brothers or cousins. I'll but, look it up. Yeah, check that out. There's a really, really good 30 for 30 on those two guys. I think it was called, maybe it was called Brothers in Arms. They really don't have any information on his family? I figured that'd be in about the second sentence. I know. Up, oh, yep, half brother. Half brother, okay. Half right. They buried the lead. Pretty much. Uh, a little trickier question. Because she's not big four. Cindy Crawford, 58. <laughs> she she was an SI model. Yeah. So that, that, that's sports. That kind of Swimsuit counts. Swimsuit model. Yeah. Very good. Very good. <laughs> uh, also non-big four, turning 60 today, Jeff Maggart. Hmm. I'm going to keep going. Uh, let's let's stick with baseball, but obviously. No, no, no. Non-big four. So not baseball, oh, not, not football, not, not hockey, not uh, what's the other four? Not basketball. Jeff Maggart. Okay. I'm, I'm between hockey and golf. I'll go golf. Golf, yes. Born in Columbia, Missouri. Right. Yep. Ah, oh, there you go. Turning 61, 
Hint, if you need it, Charles Barkley. (laughs) (laughs) Hall of Famer and, for my money, the funniest guy on TV. Did you hear what he said about San Francisco over the weekend? I did not. What did he say? He said a lot of disparaging things about San Francisco. Look it up. It won't be easy. It won't be hard to find. Just type in Charles Barkley. Oh, how about that? (laughs) San Francisco pop up pretty quickly Uh, there? Apparently. He's not a fan. (laughs) Apparently some people walking around that town that do not have homes, that he's not a fan of those. He'd rather be cold in Indianapolis than hang out with homeless crooks, apparently. Yes, yes. That's basically what he said. Can't even walk around down there is what he said. Yeah. Wow. And he pretty much and he circled back and got a little more after that. I think but. he did. Did he let that out during a segment on during the All Star D- during the All All Star <laughs> weekend? Yeah. Oh yeah. Hmm. I don't know how it came up, but yeah, he went scorched earth on San Francisco. Phil Esposito is eighty-two. Oh boy. Uh, big four? Yep. Mm. Hint if you need it. I'll take a hint. He was born in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. <laughs> Is he a hockey player? Yes. There we go. Hall of Famer. Kyle gets it. Yep. Blackhawks, Bruins, Rangers. Also a broadcaster, GM, coach. He did it all. Turning 83, Clyde Wright. Clyde sounds like a former pitcher. Very good. That's exactly what he was. There we go. You know who his son is? I do not. Jarrett Wright. Remember him with the Indians? Ah. Right-hand pitcher? Clyde was his dad. Yeah. Boy, is this guy guy still going? 87. Roger Penske. Non-big four, but uh, last name should be kind of a giveaway. Um, come on, come on he's Kyle. a racer. Yeah. Yes, yeah. he's still he's still alive. American auto racer, Roger Penske, yes. <laughs> Did you see 70% of the field wrecked yesterday in uh, Daytona 500? No, they I did. did not. I think they did. Born on this day, now dead, Bobby Unser. Let's go. Let's go hockey. Not, not big four. Oh. Obviously, I just gave it away that I don't know. So let's go, right. uh, let's go golf. Mm, no, he was also a racer. Open wheels. Indianapolis 500 guy. Bobby Unser. Unser family is pretty famous. Thought you might get that. Pretty good winning percentage today, though. Dying on this day. Nobody of note. We'll stop on Bobby Hunter. This thing on. <laughs> hey now. All right. <laughs> where, where are you at? ACDC. Uh, a little late there. My fault. Kyle, no, Kyle nailed almost everything, but <laughs> that was uh, uncomfortable two seconds of silence. Give him a break. All right. Again, after hours tonight, the Friends Coaches Show at 6 o'clock. They program a Saran from 4 to 6, but prior to that and coming up next, it's Pulse with Pat, so stick around.